get ready for some compliments. Are we on right now? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Art World. That's how she gears me up. (laughs) Uh, This is Miss Art World, Catherine, and I'm sitting across from the best co-host in the world, Lisa. You can't sit across from yourself. (laughs) How's everybody doing? We have an exciting um, podcast. I'm amped for this podcast. We're going to be listening to your voicemails. Listener voicemails. <laughs> we need I should a... never do that. <laughs> I liked it. Did you? Yeah, Good. we'll add that little audio clip every time we do it. Listener's voicemails. <laughs> I'm glad we both sang on this now. <laughs> so good. But before we get into a actual voicemail... We had our favorite guest, one of our favorite guests, uh, Ryan, uh, wrote us on Instagram and let us know about the um, Chicago Bean being vandalized, and we wanted to talk about that because that is art news. And for those of you who are curious, that is at K Ryan Hennessy, and I love him. Yeah. Episode four? No. Oh I? man, he's gonna be so mad. We don't know this off the top of our heads. I think he's episode. Take a take a good guess. Is your I guess think four? He's four. All right, I think he is seven. And today we'll find out who loves him more. <laughs> yeah. Um. Gosh darn it! But he's episode nine, and I'm closer, so I oh, win. Oh, you love him more. Uh, check out his episode. He's great. Um, but he did send us um. That the bean or cloud gate was vandalized, and seven people have been arrested for spray painting. Man, they had a whole squad out there spray painting. So I was like, well, what did they spray paint? Because the news uh, that I was listening to didn't say exactly what they spray painted. And what they spray painted, at least what I can read, was 35 crew. So I feel like that's their gang, their art hating gang. I'm sure it's a gang, probably not an art-hating gang. <laughs> Why would you spray the bean if you didn't hate art? I mean, it's kind of the perfect palette because you're spraying the entire city. That's true because of the reflective quality. It's conceptually strong. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Honestly, though, it's the bean. Like, there's cameras everywhere there. I like how you're chuckling at your own joke still. <laughs> and you're not going to move on until I acknowledge how clever that was. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's all I needed in life. <laughs> They've uh, made performance art. <laughs> Respect. 35 Proof, you're out there. Come on the podcast. We will interview you. But we don't... Condone. Yeah, we don't support or condone, which is a much better word. So Thank good you. job, Dictionary <laughs> Catherine. Um, defacing artwork. No, I think it's bad. I think it's quite bad. Yeah. I feel like make your own art. Like, I like Plastic Jesus's approach where he just brings art, his art into public settings, but he's not defacing anything well, or ruining yeah. other people's and this, art. And this wasn't additional art. This was just spray tag. Yeah. It's tagging. So um, I think the bigger concern here is um, we just listened to a little, you know, news about about the incident and 
they switched between calling it Cloudgate and the Bean. And I'd like to go on record saying it's just the Bean. And the <laughs> artist needs to just accept that and call it what it is. I like how if they're just like, hey, Cloudgate was vandalized yesterday. People would be like, what? Is, what? Cloudgate? What's Cloudgate? What? But when they say the Bean, we're like, oh, we know what that is. Like yeah. they have to insert both. Cause they have to. Artists will be mad if they don't call it Cloudgate, but no one will know what you're talking about. If you just use Cloudgate. Exactly. Thank you. Do you have anything else on this topic? Um, no. I think that's it. All right. But keep sending us your art news because we love it. I'm just, I, I guess this is shocking to me. Why? Because if you're going to vandalize a piece of art and think that you're going to get away with it, it would not be Cloudgate. It would not be the bean surrounded like ah. by lots of cameras, highly... Uh, in the public realm mm-hmm. like why would you think you would get away with that now i'm probably gonna get some um hate for this mm-hmm. next comment is it you from my concerned? eyes yeah i feel like no, I'm no, gonna... no but i don't think these were the smartest people who were doing it wow <laughs> <laughs> like i don't think they were that concerned with the consequences one and two uh they didn't take the time to look around and see all the cameras so clearly they weren't really using their brains. All right. That's a good point. Good point. All right. I look Thank forward you. to uh, genius vandals. I'm just saying I'm taking a lot of hot takes today. So be hot prepared. Takes? Hot take, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? It means I'm making the hot takes. What? I'm going oh, you're, hard you're and delivering fast. I'm delivering straightforward answers today. Perfect. I'm going to keep it 100% transparent. I love it. You know, people can come at me on Twitter because guess what? I don't really use Twitter. So. All right. Come at me. All the haters. You know where to find me. Yeah. On the Twitter. (laughs) Where she won't be. (laughs) Uh, All right. So should we hop into a voicemail? Yeah, let's do it. Excellent. What is up, Lisa? What is up, Miss Art World? My name is Casey and I live in New York right now. I am a huge fan. I came across your podcast a little while ago. I'm so glad you guys are taking calls now because I have a burning question, and I've been dying to know what your guys' take is on live art at festivals or at events, what your take on festival art is. So um, I can't wait to hear back from you. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, And thanks so much for what you guys do. Keep it up. You guys are awesome. Bye. Boom. Thank you, Casey. Yeah. Casey from New York. Are you jealous she's from New York? I am jealous. You can't say you're from New York anymore, can you? Um, <clears throat> I was Miss New York. I will always be from New York. Done. I love it. Good job. Right? I'm proud of you. I've actually thought about that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Being from New York is a lot cooler than being from Los Angeles, I think. Ooh. I wouldn't say that Ooh. on our podcast. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, I just love New York so much. And really, when you think back, I've, I was only there for two years, but it was... I would never live in New York. I <sighs> loved it. But I respect the cool factor of it. It is pretty cool. So, Casey, you're cool. Right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Festival art. I think you need to speak on this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've attended yes. festivals. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think I've attended any festivals, really, other than like pure specific art festivals. Okay, that's fair. So, I think at like music festivals, which is where... I- I think she's uh, wanted us to focus on um, incorporating art. I think is really important in that it opens more people's eyes to it. It decorates the landscape, which is very nice. Um, 
oftentimes though it I'm torn on it because it's used as a tool to be reshared on social media um, much like the butterfly wings we've talked about about before mm-hmm. a lot of the pieces tend to be conceptually weak but pretty to look at yeah. um, they pop on the landscape which is important um, but is it fine art is it more art or decor because exactly uh, we've had a conversation uh, about the i wasn't there but the boot at yeah. uh stagecoach stagecoach um and i know uh, so my little sister went with you emily who doesn't listen to this podcast um so oh, she doesn't she doesn't okay. i know you're <laughs> lisa's face was horrified that i was bringing this up she's not just your sister she's my friend <laughs> she's, yes um, but Emily was thinking that there's this large cowboy boot that was at a booth selling boots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was saying it that was, that was art. So there was two large cowboy boots at the entrance to basically like the mercantile row, which mm-hmm. was the merchandise row. Um, and she was saying it was art. Mm-hmm. And I was saying it was, it wasn't art. I said it was conceptually weak. There was nothing different about it. Um, and that it was decor to mark an area on grounds to say this is where you can buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got into a, a, a pretty big argument about it. Dang. <laughs> Art bringing people together and tearing them <laughs> apart. <laughs> no, that's an interesting I, something to think about because the artist that makes the huge furniture mm-hmm. at the Broad. Yep. I would probably think of his artwork differently if it was placed outside of a furniture store to mark hey they sell furniture here that's a really great example because there is a lot of furniture stores that do that Mm -hmm. yeah so how do you define the difference i think it has to deal with context yeah and the concept behind it like Mm -hmm. uh duchamp's urinal it is literally a urinal turned on its side and yeah. signed by him and so if that was placed outside of a bathroom it would be like yeah that's a sign that there's urinals in this exactly but because he was like no no he took it out of the uh placement that mm-hmm. it's usually seen in and t- changed it to a way to make it uh where we're questioning it even if it's just put on a pedestal yeah makes it then art that's fair and i think the other and part of my argument that i wasn't i didn't actually say to your sister at the time because um i was i you know maybe i did but i was also intoxicated so (laughs) it's hard to say um (laughs) but all the other art pieces were clearly marked and separated out throughout the grounds as art Mm -hmm. and this was to mark an area so that people knew where to go um so yeah but overall i think besides the topic of decor versus art unless you want to talk about that more um i think it's the interesting topic is again creating art for instagram Mm -hmm. what do you think about that um well i you we've talked about this before but i like 
go in between where I think that there is this importance of artists thinking about technology like using technology to deliver their message versus just this is fun to stand in front of butterfly wings because it makes a cool picture but it's a I think a fine line that artists are walking Mm -hmm. and that festivals are now jumping on the bandwagon because it's smart it's smart marketing it is but what happens when there's no message or the message isn't clear and it's just a background photo then I don't think I wouldn't consider that art Mm -hmm. I would just consider it being decor so one of the art pieces at stagecoach which was created for coachella um i don't know what it was called i probably should have looked it up but you know me um (laughs) is it's probably like a five-story building no 10-story building but it wraps around and you walk up um basically like this never-ending ramp until it ends um this never-ending ramp until it ends it's really weird when you call (laughs) me out for my speaking but yeah i I said that um, and each floor as you walk um, the wall it's all clear so you're looking out over the festival grounds and it's a different color as you walk up mm-hmm. um, so you look at the entire grounds in red at one point and you look at the entire grounds at blue at one point in green it's a rainbow mm-hmm. looks really cool from the ground looks really cool from up top looks really cool in pictures mm-hmm. I was I struck with emotion not really Maybe not really. See, and I think that's interesting because um, another person that you went with was like super struck by going like she went three times, right? Up to the. Yeah. Do you think her motivation was the pictures or that she enjoyed looking out through the grounds in red or blue? I think her motivation was the pictures. Okay. See, because that, that kind of reminds me of the piece that we talked about in New York with the staircases. Yeah. The honeycomb. Oh, the um, the vessel. The vessel. So I could see certain people being liking that experience of the, the colors. Yeah. But I also don't know, because I didn't experience it, but if it's just mainly for like pictures, then I don't know if I would consider that art. I'd have to experience, I think. Okay. Did you think that the vessel was art? I can't remember what your thoughts were. Not really. Okay. Um, honestly, the only time, and I'll be transparent because I said I was taking hot takes. <laughs> um, and it's a little sad, but the only time I felt emotion as I was in it was when I looked out and it was during the red yeah. section. And I think that speaks more to the climate we live in because it definitely was not the artist's intention. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be this fun, like trippy thing for Coachellers, essentially, who are on drugs. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but for us, us stagecoachers who are just drinking, and me being in events and a big focus of my job being emergency action planning, I was just really sad at that point. Hmm. That's interesting. Like the the color evokes emotion. Because yeah. I could see red being, like, the most powerful color to look out over. Definitely a mass crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I definitely think that it there's a weird line between something that's cool versus art. And they're both, like, experience-based. Mm-hmm. But it would definitely 
have to be like I'd have to go I think to the vessel and walk it and then come away and be like yeah that was art or it was just staircases yeah I think it would be really cool if more of the um events who had big art pieces actually put next to them like what they were supposed to mean oh yeah basically what we talked about the public art a couple episodes ago um so that people could try and experience the artist's experience Mm -hmm. oh also when i was at stagecoach i was so annoyed um they had a gallery exhibit going on um and i was very excited because i was like heck yeah content so i go in and it's like just photographs of people who have performed there it wasn't like an actual art exhibit at all that's it was promotional photos from past stagecoaches yeah i hate those kinds of places because they're not i mean i guess they're a gallery of photographs but there's uh but they weren't even artistic photographs so don't even call it a gallery be like if they had called it like the museum of stagecoach Mm. i would have been like oh i get it these are past performers Mm -hmm. but no called a gallery well there's places like uh in vegas Mm -hmm. and la where they sell their uh fine art gallery and they sell photos of uh famous people like that's what they sell yeah and maybe they're embellished or like glittered or whatever but it's like that's not art that's not art decor exactly people that are famous yeah it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. That, I was, are you heated? I'm heated right now. Y'all <laughs> don't even know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, yeah. All right. Dope. Hello, ladies. I'm really enjoying your podcast. I'm wondering if you could talk about um, how performance art started and who, you know, kind of led that movement and where you see the future of performance art going in the future. Thanks. Bye. This one's to you. Such a massive, massive question. I'm just going to sit hey, back and let you talk. Because can, you, <laughs> can you ladies tell me the history, <laughs> who was important, and where it's going? A um, whole podcast we could dedicate to this wonderful, amazing topic. It's your favorite topic, it one might say. It is my favorite topic. Um, um, Marina Abramovic. Abra- you're so... Abramovic. Abramovic. I'm so impressed with you, Abronovic? Abronovic. Judy Chicago. Kate Ann Durbin. Yeah. Boom. Top three. Kate's coming up too. She is. In no specific order, just top three. Yes. Um so the origins started in the nineteen tens. Nineteen ten. Did I say that right? Sure. Um, but the movement really didn't gain a lot of movement. (laughs) (laughs) until the 1960s wow that's a slow progress yeah i think uh it really had to have its moment like there was a certain time when people decided that they were bored or that the traditional art forms weren't giving them the freedom and expression that they needed um so there was a couple groups that really pushed it along the flex um or happenings were what they were called when um 
artists would do performance work. Why are you laughing at me? Because <laughs> you're facing me and not the mic anymore. I'm trying to look at you. <laughs> um, so I'm not editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look into your eyes <laughs> as I speak to you. Um, but performance art, uh, I'm trying to read my notes really quick. I did print out notes for this because I cheated. You cheated. And listen to this. I feel like you should know everything about this topic. I get, I get weirded out. Like I don't feel like I know enough, but I probably know. You know so much. Yeah. But the Dadaists were these weird group of men and probably women, but mainly men get together and they like performed different things um so they kind of really pushed it forward um and again it wasn't really until the 1970s ish that it gained momentum and it's important because performance art is not performing arts that's uh, so i think that's the biggest thing that you need to dive into not to cut you off no that's great but the i have found in my time of having you in my life people don't understand performance art even people who we interview and speak to who are active and in the art world when we say you are a performance artist they ask us if you are a musician or a singer or a a dancer dancer, Mm -hmm. but no one actually gets it of what they what you mean by being a performance artist and what what would you say to those people how would you break it down to them so i would start off as it's not performing arts um so it's performance art is meant to be live um it's not meant to be bought or sold or traded as a commodity it is art in its i i feel it's true essence purest form yeah it's art for art's sake and we are the only way to communicate what is happening is with the body so it's really using the body as the tool the palette yes to create the art um and so performance art also has no rules there's no guidelines um it's experimental um and most of the time performance art is not something that you practice it's you are doing the performance art with the audience for the first time and every performance piece is going to be different based on the artist, the audience, the time period, what they're doing. And so I think that is probably one of the most interesting thing about performance art to me is that the audience is experiencing this new thing with the artists together. Like it's not a play. Yeah. There's so many unknowns, whether it's going to be successful or Mm -hmm. whether it's going to fail, what's going to happen. And I think that is really what is interesting about performance art. I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Where it's going. Do you have any ideas on where it's going now that you've you've been in performance pieces? I have. Um, I really don't know. I find it interesting because. My understanding of performance art, um, I mean, it stems mostly from you and this podcast and people we've talked to. I find it interesting that a lot of um, the a lot of the up and coming performance artists use nudity, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of helps launch them. Um, which I'd like to know your feelings on that. 
But then on the flip side, the most well-known performance artist, like the a, Mar- a Marina, d- does not. She's fully clothed, but her art is e- extremely impactful. Uh, Marina's interesting because her early days, she did a lot of nudity. Really? Okay, mm-hmm. so this is, I didn't know this. She did one, um, and she had a partner, um, kind of like the love of her life that mm-hmm. did it with her. Most of her, not most, but a lot of performances with her. And they had one where if you entered the gallery space, you had to walk through this very tight space. And she was naked and he was naked. So you literally had to squeeze in between these two naked bodies to get into the space. Dang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's done a lot of um, nude work or um, something that I don't really do. um, But kind of uh what's the word not it's harming your body but like she cut she's cut into herself to make scars oh wow as a part of her performance okay pieces mutilation okay um and that was kind of a very um that was trending for a long time yeah. as artists pushing their bodies to the limits well she's done that with a lot of her work mm-hmm. even the one you talked about on this podcast before where she had so many negative she had people treat her negatively to the point where like a group in a room didn't even look at her as a real person until she broke down crying and had a gray hair the next day and she was nude for that one she was okay i don't know if she started off nude or became nude so what how does that make you feel do you feel like you need to strip down to be successful in performance art or are you trying to break that as a barrier with your feminist side so i'm i am I have my own views, but I can see both sides. I can understand why women feel empowered becoming nude. Mm-hmm. And I'll, my couch performance, I basically stripped down to my underwear. Yeah. And the juror for that show actually said to me, he was like, yeah, when I was watching your video, I thought, okay, here's another performance artist getting naked. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a thing that happens. Uh, but then I... I didn't get nude and I changed into a, a full onesie Yeah, and took off all my makeup and it be, it became not a sexy thing. It yeah. was a very childlike changing into my PJs thing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you flipped something that I thought I already knew was going to happen on its head. And that's what was interesting yeah. about it. Um, so for me, I at least at this moment, I know that, I don't want to do anything where I become mm-hmm. nude um, just because I think everyone is a expecting it. Yeah. Um, I do think that a lot of people would be interested in my work only if I took off my clothes. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want that because that's not what the concept is about. Like I take ownership of my body in a different way. And yeah. I think the way that I do that is, by taking off my makeup. Like, that's nudity yeah. to me, not taking off my clothes. Okay. Um, but I understand why those women do did it. it Did it back then. Yeah. Like, uh, Yoko Ono. Well, I feel like it was more shocking back then than it is now. Yeah, we're surrounded by naked women. Yeah. and Or images of sexiness. Yeah. And not that it's wrong for someone to take off their clothes, mm-hmm. but... I feel like I don't need to do it. It's not something new. Are you? Do you still think that there are performance artists out there who are getting bigger shows because they're getting nude, though? I'm sure there are. Okay. 
there's something that people are very attracted to mm-hmm. the naked body and is interested and it's still kind of a sha- shock yeah. shock value to see someone naked yeah. that you're like oh i d- didn't think i would see you naked mm-hmm. um and then the naked body has always been something that art has appreciated yeah so yeah nice but um like yoko ono you've Mm -hmm. heard of her um she did a piece a long time ago um it's in my notes but she sat on a stage and invited people to cut off her clothing and i i think her piece of her letting other people cut off her clothing and Marina Abranovic's piece of like having people harass her basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two are very interesting to talk about as far as that being important in the time period. But f- I would say nowadays that that would be a horrible performance to watch because of the Me Too movement and this like women standing up for power yeah and the whole um like not being present in those performance pieces as the woman i think nowadays would be strong to have them recreate those pieces but be present like yoko ono cutting off other people's clothing you should flip it and do that performance cutting off like tyler's clothes yeah sorry tyler just signed you up for a new performance (laughs) Or just inviting other people on stage. (laughs) Can I cut your clothing off, please? (laughs) But for women to be doing that to a man Mm -hmm. could be interesting. I I don't know if Tyler would go for it. I don't think so. Samuel would. Yeah, but that would be weird because it's my brother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I can be the director of that one. You could just do the first cut, like of the sleeve. Oh, and then invite other people. And then invite other people. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I wasn't okay. picturing you doing all of it. I thought I was doing all of it. And no, I was that's, like, that's super weird. weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't support that. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> oh. Why did your mind go there? <laughs> <laughs> it did go there. And I was disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, is that the future? I think the future of uh, performance art will be just mirroring what's happening in society and also using technology mm-hmm. like Instagram yep. to perpetuate the role of performance art. All right. What do you, is that what you think? Yeah, I, you know, I really don't know. I'm not as into into performance art. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm bummed about is we really haven't seen other people perform together. Like no. you've seen me mm-hmm. a bunch of times, but have you seen any? Well, you I've were at seen... the gallery show with all the other artists performing. Which one was that? When I did the uh, medals piece. Were you there? Oh, yeah, I was there. Please. Of course I was there. <laughs> um, but I was recording you. But then there was a musician in one room. Oh, and then Kayla was in one room. Mm-hmm. Who was in the middle room? It was the, like, oriental dancer. Oh, yeah. I didn't see her piece. Mm-hmm. She was on breaks when I went in there. Oh, okay. 
Um, so yeah, I've seen some. Mm-hmm. And then I've I've watched um, videos of like Kate's work, mm-hmm. um, and a few of uh, Marina's, and Judy Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I've I've have a taste for it. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious where it goes. I think the biggest thing, like you said, is it's going to end up being a reflection of the society we live in. And that is a big, I mean, purpose of the artist mm-hmm. is to capture those moments and times of cultural change. Yeah. And to express the human experience. So I think that's really where we're going. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one. As art has uh, evolved in the past through the different eras of art, what is the next evolution of art and where is art going? So, Katie, where's art going? Yeah, oh, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I think with most um, uh, time periods of art or isms, you don't know the ism is here until it's past like even with the performance art it took so long before uh why are you laughing at me am i talking to you again i have a hot take okay do you want to share your hot take yeah okay go i think we are in the digital age of art i like it yep and i think that that is where we're gonna see art going in the next couple years I think throughout our conversations with different artists, I'm coming up with all this on the fly, by the way. I love it. Um, we've heard consistently about artists um, who are no longer using sketch pads, but are using iPads mm-hmm. to do their first drafts to research and get things going. And I think that we are going to see digital art growing more. Um, and being tied in more to art where if it's the first layer and paints being added on top um, and that's where we're going and I think we're going to have a big disconnect between the traditionalists and modern artists um, and even myself I mean I think it's like I would have a hard harder time accepting a fully digital artist as the same level as a traditional oil painter but um, I think that is where we're headed. Boom. Your turn. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I do think that painting or handmade items will always play some kind of hand in it. But I do think that we're in the digital age and it's just going to become more and more incorporated yeah, in I, art. I think the fine artists will still be the ones who use their hands and add oil and add things or fully are still painters or mm-hmm. whatnot. But um, I think we're going to see a much greater tie-in. Yeah, or they're painters, but then they also use a element of technology to make yes. like projection or something like that. Or even the technology of paint is changing mm-hmm. where you could have color-changing paint on a canvas and what would that do? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, my fear, I sound like an old person when I'm going to say this. My, my fear, fear is that the kiddos <laughs> uh, is that it moves away from like the conceptual based artwork and it mm-hmm. becomes too much of the aesthetic Instagram um, fueled labeled art pieces. 
and less about what makes art art and more about is it cute or cool to take a photo in front of and someone calls it art oh absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's like I don't know how you educate people about why art is important yeah well I think that's kind of always been a difficult thing for art mm-hmm. is to educate the masses on what is art because there's this weird um, exclusivity to the art world that people don't feel like they're a part of because they don't understand something which is why we exist yeah hey hey <laughs> look at us but I agree and I think honestly and you and I have talked about this off air but for me prior to this experience and prior to knowing you I thought of art strictly as what looks good on my walls for interior decoration. I looked at decorating and what was pretty and pleasing on the eye. And although I still like art I would buy to be something that I want to look at, um, I now think of it more as like, what is the artist trying to say about the human experience? And that to me says a lot more about a piece than what matches my color scheme. Mm -hmm. And because I've learned I'd be more likely to buy a piece based off of that and then build a room around it rather than the other way around. I love that. Yeah. So what's that quote where it's like, you don't uh, make, you don't tailor some kind of dress. I forgot what brand it was to fit you. You fit the brand. It's, uh, it's Vera Wang. Yes. Yeah. Vera Wang. It's from, um, Bridal Wars? Bridal Wars? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it stuck with me. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's how art is. Yeah. You buy the art and then you create the room around it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. All right. So are you, anything else on that topic? No, I think that's great. We summed that up really well. So <laughs> I have a final question. Okay. Um, for you. And I have you know as we talked about on this podcast I've, I've gained some knowledge yes you have um and recently this morning <laughs> i was talking about art with people and um i was critiquing an artist's work the artist was not present um and neither was a curator but um they were just like looking at me like i was such a snob for saying that the pieces weren't technically sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they asked me why, I brought up, um, you know, the oil not always meeting and just canvas showing it was incomplete. The wrists weren't proportioned. Oftentimes there's brush strokes finishing an arm um, because they couldn't handle hands. Um, the teeth were blobs of white um, with black outline. Oh, no, that's awful. Yeah. You don't use black with... Maybe it wasn't black, but it was, I mean, it was blatantly just outlined squares. Wow. Um, and the more I spoke, the more they looked at me with disgust. So how do you give a proper crit to non-artist folk? You know, I, <laughs> I, I was like, no, this is just factual. I'm not even being mean. Like, I think the artists would have taken it better than they did. Uh, you know I love you. Um, we tend to get together and be snobby. <laughs> so <laughs> I love you too, but I know, um, you know, I think 
what you did was was great because it, it is about educating people to what is good art and what could be better art and people just don't see that sometimes they don't know that hands are really difficult to do and you can look for artists who've made mistakes mm-hmm. or when they've you know didn't paint the background until afterwards and there's that weird line that goes around the main thing that yeah um no I think giving a critique like that is great and important and I can guarantee that they might have not liked what you were saying then because you're making them question what they thought was good art and that's never a comfortable thing okay but they're definitely going to look at art differently because you helped educate them yeah okay that makes you feel a little bit better Mm -hmm. but you basically just said your outfit sucks you need to rethink it and they're going home like hey my outfit sucks (laughs) (laughs) i need to rethink it it was such a bad art (laughs) but you know what i guess like a year ago i would have looked at it and thought it was pretty Mm -hmm. so and now you're just one of the people educating well and you and i talked about the problem is once you get into the art world you start to look at pieces first for technique and then from a greater perspective and that's what i did i didn't even look at these pieces for anything but technique Mm -hmm. and then once i realized how poor the technique was i just was like i couldn't get past it i couldn't get past it yeah and i do understand people thinking that people who talk about art is snobby because it's all opinion based Mm -hmm. you like it you don't and here's why and when i think that's probably why it came off even more snobby because I wasn't talking about the conceptual side or liking it or not. I was saying it's not technically sound. Mm -hmm. And that's why critics can be critics and not be artists too. Because you learn to look for those things that you know technique wise aren't good. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's been weighing heavy on me. Oh, I'm glad you shared it. Yeah, man. That's great. All right. I love critiques. Me too. All right, so if you guys want to call in, um, which we highly encourage you to do, um, the phone number is 202-642-ARTS. That's 202-642-2787. I'm looking at you, Claire. I'm looking at you, Ryan. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Blasted. Blasted with love. All right. Any final notes? Uh, do we want to share who our next guest is? Who we have next week? Oh, yeah. Because I'm excited. I'm so nervous for this episode. Me too. Because I think you're so fangirlish about her. So fangirl. That you're going to freeze up and mm. I'm just going to sit there like, oh, man. Be silent the whole time. Yeah. It's the worst when you get nervous. If I'm quiet on the podcast, it's because I'm in awe. Yeah, she's like nervous. Mm-hmm. It's true. All right, so who is it? It's Kate. Kate who? Durnham. Am I saying your last name right? Oh, my God. Kate and Durbin. Oh, Durbin. <laughs> All right, so if you want to follow her ahead of time so you can start getting a feel for... She's amazing. Her, it's um at... Kate, K-A-T-E, Ann, A-N-N-E, Durbin, D-U-R-B-I-N. That is hers on Instagram. She's incredible. We talked about her, I think it was episode one. 
<laughs> I think so. So, um, pretty big deal. We're finally getting her on the podcast. Uh, so I guess you can say we've officially made it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.